What is going on, Fit Story fam? Matthew Verbridge is back in the motherfucking house. Now, look, I know that I've been away for quite some time. Um, it's a long story and to share really what's been going on in my world, but I'm not going to do that today. Um, and the reason I'm not going to do that today and why I'm going to save it is because I've got a special guest on the podcast today. Um, it's actually a local hero, somebody that I know from, uh, we've probably known each other for about eight years, maybe, probably. More than that. It's got to be, hasn't it? Ten, maybe? 20, 2010. Fuck. <laughs> 11, 25. It must have been, yeah, because HOP, yeah, it's hard to Portsmouth yeah. stuff, wasn't it? Jeez. Like, that's that's mind-blowing. Um, and look, I... like. A local hero, like I said, and um, some of the people that listen to this podcast, I know there's a relatively local audience for this as well. So some of the people will know you, some of the people won't. Um, you're going to be a future household name. Mr. Michael McKinson is in the house. Um, for those of you that do not know him yet, do not fear because you are going to. OK, heed these words, people. You are going to know. You are going to know. <laughs> um Brother, it's a pleasure to have you on. I'm excited to jam with you. Uh, tell me what's been going on in your world, but keep it super brief because we're going to dive into story soon, yeah? Yeah, um, things are happening at the moment. The lockdown's been good to me. My my career's elevated, and like you said, I'll be a household name very soon. Yeah, 100%. It's happening, bro. And you must be getting wrapped up in all of this good energy as well because I mean I've been seeing I mean we've been trying to make the podcast happen for like what three four weeks or something it's been really hard to get you on the show because you're just jam-packed <laughs> it's just publications want to reach out or they want you on so um you must be getting real caught up in all that energy how's it feel man it yeah it's, it's very humbling and overwhelming do you know what I mean um that people want want me and people even giving me credit praise all things like that. It just makes me um, makes me stay even more motivated. It helps me stay focused and stuff like that because obviously each day I'm becoming something. So um, yeah, I'm happy. Very busy, very mm. busy. Um, my diary's always packed. I'm gonna need a PA soon, but <laughs> get you a PA. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I'm happy. Like blessed. Yeah, you can see it, brother. You can see it. You've got good energy around you, good people, great network. Mm. Um, and and it's gonna it's gonna happen, man. So um this is my personal take. Uh, I believe you have everything. Um, the talent, I think you've got the experience and and look, count that for whatever it is. You know, I'm a nobody really in it. But when I when I look at um individuals that are high performing, I can see it because uh, I too am one of those people, you know, I'm a high performer and I, I, I put my, I, I put myself into a position where I ob observe other people that are high performing and I can see it. I can see it when I look at an individual, right? You're going to be a world champion for years to come and I can just see it, but I don't want to fill in any of the gaps, bro. Um, and I certainly don't want to pipe up your ego anymore because we're going to dive into the story in just a second but yeah. I'm not going to fill the gaps in right um as to how you got really to where you are at the moment that's your story to share uh, yeah. and I really want people to to listen to this because I think there will be a message that comes out of this I don't know what it's going to be but I do believe there's going to be a message um and, and I think it's going to give people a chance to really see firsthand what it takes 
and what it continues to take from an individual to not just make it to world class, but then to stay there and continue to climb that ladder. And that's that's an important thing. People need to know, you know, we spoke about hard work the other day. People just don't have that ethic anymore. It's like it's gone. It's banished from society. <laughs> A lazy society. It really is. It's all socially yeah. conditioned to just be lazy and not want hard work. Like it confuses me. It confuses me. Do, do you know what? I'm actually a lazy person, like at heart. If yeah. I didn't have, if I didn't have my career, like it's scary to think. Like I can get lazy. Like everyone can get lazy, but I've got something to to be able not to be lazy for. To, yeah. um, to get up in the morning, get my work done, and stuff like that. But like me as like a personal pair like like personally i'm a i'm a lazy person mm. i know it doesn't show but I, like people get caught up in that absolutely you know what i mean 100 and it, it, i think that's a really there's a message already like i told well, you i'm gonna be messaging I'll people that's <laughs> it. I'll, I'll see i'll see that post that you put up of um you running and yeah. like you you would find any excuse in the world like not to not to go on runs i'm similar like like being a professional athlete like running's a big part of boxing, yeah. but it's always it was always a chore for me it was always a chore for me and i i was especially when i was younger i was one to like make an excuse or something as i've got older and recently i've become like enjoying my running little things like that it, i think the hardest part is just to get your running trainers on like really and just going out in the cold or, or the hot or whatever it is and um, like I, I related to to your post that you put up yeah and you know that's really cool because a lot of my content is angled towards um I think people see it on the surface that it's physical kind of conditioning but yeah I don't believe it is I believe everything is a, is is a product of the mind I believe that yeah. there is, there is a, a, a lid and if you take it off, you can just do anything. The, but the physical body is, I mean, we hear these stories, don't we? Of like, you know, like a fucking single mum lifting a car or something. Like she hasn't got the ability to do that. She's not a strong, but you know, they, they, they don't be doing no training to do that sort of stuff, but it happens. And why? Because yeah. I just believe in the mind. I think everything comes down to mindset. Um, so, you know, a lot of people see my content. I think they get wrapped up in like the physical stuff. Like, oh, he's going to run this. He's going to do that. And when I say it, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. So I've got 32 miles coming up in next week. I'm going to run 32 miles a mile for every single year that I've been on the planet. Um, and that's going to be that's going to be cool. We're going to do um, beach to Butsu and beyond. So there should be some really cool photo opportunities in there as well to kind of see, look back when you're at the top of Butsu to see where you've come from, from Celsius. And then again, when you get up to, so it, it's got to be really cool. But much of it comes down to mental toughness. Yeah. And whilst we, before we kind of get into the rest of it and dive into your story, look, I actually want to touch on that real quick. How much of a contributing factor to your success so far has mental toughness been? Um, I, I think mental toughness is probably my biggest strength. Um, especially like obviously my career's elevated over the last couple of years and I, that's all down to mental toughness. I've been put into positions where a lot of people would crumble. I've been put into hostile positions. I've been put into positions where nobody's given you a chance and every single time it's my 
mental strength that have that's got me through and i don't think i would be in the position i am right now without it yeah. like uh, like I, I know like like obviously i'm a professional boxer but i've been my dad is my trainer and for example he's chucked me into hostile things yeah. from young um, <laughs> like, a, a couple of years ago so obviously i'm, I'm a pro at this point uh it was only about two and a half years ago. He sent me to America on my own training. Yeah. Went to Philadelphia. Unbelievable experience. But I was going to gyms and it was like like a scene off of Rocky when he goes to Apollo. <laughs> Walking into gym and, uh, gyms and they all want a piece of you. Like most people would crumble. I'm just this little English boy that's come over with my bag on my own. <laughs> by, the end, by, by the end of the spas or the end of the top my times in these gyms, they're all shaking my hand and all stuff like that. And that's the mental resilience like that I've got. Um, in, there's been numerous occasions of my fights where I'm expected to lose. Yeah. And the whole world, it could swallow somebody up, but yeah. the whole the whole boxing community is writing me off. And I'm 21 and out. Every single time I've not listened to these people. And it's all down to the mental strength. Obviously, my hard work is very important and is a big key, but like a lot of people would crumble and yeah. I, my mental strength has got me through it all. Yeah, yeah. I think that's a really important thing to, to touch on, man, because I was watching, Um, have you seen Chasing Tyson? It's on, uh, like, I don't know, it's on one of the fucking smelly platforms, either Amazon or some other thing, but it's called Chasing Tyson, right? And it's all about, uh, it was an Amanda Holyfield story of like how, in that era, um, people would see Tyson just going in and fucking demolishing people like an mm. animal, just getting in there to murder people. And a lot of it in the documentary, they kind of talk about how that actually put off subconsciously, it put off a lot of boxers. They didn't want to climb that ladder because they knew that opponent was there. And at some point, should you keep knocking people off the ladder, like you're going to get that shot. And it was just really interesting to me because I think there was a lot of people that were far more skilled boxers than Tyson in his era, but he just was an animal. There was nobody who had that mindset that he had. Like he was just a beast. So I think that's really on point. And mate, you know, mental toughness is something that you, you can't, you can't be given it. You can't, you can't buy it. You can't go to a shop and say, Hey, can I have a, you know, two pounds of mental toughness, please. Like, it just doesn't work. You've got to fucking, like you said, be put in positions that make yeah. you uncomfortable, that force you to grow in order for you to build the resilience. But once you start to get it and you start to compound that mental resilience, and that's, like, again, one of the reasons why I love running. You know, I don't know if it's the same for you, but the physical body, when I did the marathon not long ago, um, six weeks, nine weeks after I first started running, I did a fucking marathon. Right, just ran one for shits and giggles. No medal, no validation. I didn't want a trophy. I didn't want someone to sign me off or sign me in. I just wanted to run it. I wanted to see if I could do it. And my body physically, bro, you know, my knee, by the time I got to 22 miles in, man, my feet were hurting. I wear minimalist bear shoes. Seguro bear shoes, by the way. Great shoes. Um, but it was the mental toughness. You know, I mm. kept saying to myself as my body was breaking down, I kept saying, I am not my body. I am my mind and my mind is strong. Yeah. My mind yeah. is limitless. It doesn't have a lid. 
but my body does because it's a body it's just it's gonna feel it's gonna feel pain sometimes but again pain is 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 a it's a threshold we create in our mind right so yeah, it's just yeah. so important man i feel like that's a topic that we could probably jam on for like ever <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> so um look getting back onto track we spoke the other day a little bit about that hard work and you are no stranger to that you've been boxing for like what 27 plus years uh, you currently hold the WBO welterweight, um, a global welterweight, and uh, what you're you're going to be um, fighting Virgil Ortiz in March, right? Nineteenth, March the nineteenth, the American takeover. Boom, that's Great. it. Like, American dream, what people dream of. Um, but it, it's it's t- it's been a long hard road to get this position. Yeah, but like this this fight here changes my life winning it changes my future like yeah. my daughter's future and and stuff like that so it's um the people around me and it's huge huge for the people that are close to me my team like even the city bringing the light on the city um so yeah it's a it's a big fight yeah mate i cannot wait to see it to see it all unfold and um Something that we can do now is we can dive into essentially your fit story. And um, the, 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 for anybody that's first time listening to this, like what is fit story? Um, fit story it was, was b- b- I guess, born of two things. Um, my love and passion for movement and fitness and that lifestyle, um, because that is what was responsible for pulling me away from you know, negative patterns of behavior around drug addiction, you know, crime and all sorts of dodgy shit that I used to get into when I was younger. I was able to anchor myself into, and it was boxing originally, right, at HOP. Um, and so that that's really, really important to me. That's like a big thing. And I know that a lot of people can relate to using fitness as a anchor to pull themselves out of dark days, right? So that's the first part. The second part is storytelling. Like when we share our story, like I was saying a minute ago before we went live, it gives people the ability to connect in a way that just information doesn't. So like information, we could sit all day and we could talk records and we could talk this and we could talk that. It's all just information. People forget it because it's not, it's not, forget, it's, un, it's not, you know, it's not going to retain in the mind. But when you hear a story, all of a sudden the brain fires in a different way because that's yeah. how we're wired we're wired to listen and to observe stories. It's how we all got to where we are now by sharing stories and by formulating these stories to connect each other. So I brought those two things together and I wanted to create something different on this podcast, which is why, you know, we don't do a whole lot of talk about anything that is specific in one area. We, we cover somebody's story and yours today is your fit story, brother. I'm stoked to hear it. I'm stoked personally, because although I have known you for, what you said was probably a lot longer than what I thought. It was definitely, definitely 2010, 2011. That's insane, man. I'd left, just left school. Yeah, yeah. Wow. See, I I thought it was like 2015 or something. And I was like, shit. So yeah, that's a long time, bro. We have, um, we've known each other a long time, 12 years. Um, But in that time, I guess like, although I followed your journey and I've been, observing from afar um i'm personally unaware of some of the trials and tribulations that you've been facing along the way and i'm sure there has been some um i'm also unaware of maybe some of the demons that you've had to defeat along the way because in a journey to success comes setback that's a fact people cannot get to that place 
without experiencing those things. So let's dive right in, bro. Um, and I know that we're on a bit of a time scale today because you're a super busy dude. Um, hmm. We're going to see what we can do. Um, yeah. First question for you, though, is have you seen Back to the Future? You know the movies with like Martin? You know what? <laughs> no, I know the movies. Like my brother is a movie buff. So I may have seen it, but he would be able to answer questions about like Back to the Future. Cool. Well, one of the reasons why I asked that is because the very first question, it actually does stay the same on all of the podcasts. And it's because that's where we can get moving from this backstory. But before we dive into that, like in the in the movies, right, there has there's this car called the DeLorean. Yeah. yeah. Just flip up suicide doors or whatever. And they used to get in that bitch and then they'd be able to like fucking go way back in time. And that's what we're going to do. So I (laughs) I want you to to kind of imagine yourself stepping foot in the DeLorean, closing up that door and then just going all the way back, right? All the way back to when you could first remember life through the lens of a child, when you could first remember some of the things that happened. Now, I know it's really difficult to go that far, specifically when we didn't discuss that this was even going to happen. But if you could just dive as far back as you can, like what do you remember about growing up? what do you remember about the people around you? And is there any memories and things that you'd like to share with us today to get started? Oh, I born. I, and, yeah, I was born into a boxing family, firstly. My dad, he was an amateur boxer. Um, he had his two boys young, me and my brother. I think my dad was 19 when I was born. Um, my brother, he must have been 21. So um Born into a boxing family, by that point, my dad wasn't so much a, a boxing coach, but he was uh, an amateur boxer. He was a fit guy, and his dream was to put his dream into his two sons. Mm-hmm. Um, so growing up, the only ever memories that I have involve boxing. Mm-hmm. Like it, I, I'm very grateful um, to have had that path set for me. Mm-hmm. Like there, there was times when I was younger when I was thinking, ah, oh, I could be doing anything. I could be going out playing football with my mates. I didn't have the actual childhood a normal person would have. Um, played a little bit of football when I was 10, 11, but it got to like an age where I had to pick one or the other to be able to progress. And I was a lot better at boxing. <laughs> but But my early memories were my dad taking me around the country to boxing shows um like me and him all the time like my brother started later on it was me originally i was the um the boy that was just always around this sort of life the boxing life because like when i when i've said in interviews before and people have probably seen i've been around boxing my whole life i genuinely have yeah i've been around professional boxing my whole life um so as soon as I was old enough to compete, you got to be 11. Well, back back in 2005, yeah, you had to be 11 to compete. But I was always around that life before. So I was always going to be competing as soon as I turned 11. I was always looking forward to that. Um, turned 11, my, my first fight came. And I remember it was in, it was before the smoking ban. Oh, I that's it like people don't realize the struggles back then so like you'd fight in 
like say working man's club, 11, 12 year old kid getting into the ring, there's a cloud of fog over. And that, I've got, I don't know what year the smoking ban was, it must have been 2007. Because I was, my first couple of years boxing, it was like, couldn't even breathe in the ring. <laughs> but I'd, 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 yeah, I'll tell you a story about my first fight. So it wasn't so much a working man's club. It was in a little place called Waterlooville. Yeah, I know. Well. Just turned 11. It, I was just turned 11. I've been waiting for this moment for years, right? Literally years. And got there. My opponent had already had, I think, four or five bouts like before I... Like, but, like it was my first one and all this like I'd always look forward to it I was a good little boxer got to just but five minutes before the fight I looked at my dad and went all the nerves I'd realised what nerves were <laughs> like, I can't do this I was shaking near enough crying I can't do this dad I can't do this and like him being a dad must have looked at me and thought oh no what have I put myself <laughs> yeah. uh, like I, I don't know how I got into the ring got into the ring it was all a blur I was 11 year old just scrapping for however long it was three all rounds. the technique out the window <laughs> I, I, yeah every technique went out the window and I I obviously I ended up winning and stuff but I I wasn't so much a confident kid yeah like, around like my, my friends my family I was but even to now like personally I'm actually quite shy like, I'm, I'm terrible at public speaking. Public speaking. I'm good at like the interviews and stuff now, but I, I meet a new people. I'm quite bad with, and I come across socially awkward. Um, as the years, and I think boxing for because I I come across quite a confident guy. Yeah. Um, and I, everything's that everything that I've experienced in life comes down to boxing. boxing. It's the only thing I know. Yeah. Um, and yeah. and yeah, so like I started boxing. Uh, I thought I've been boxing my whole life. I'm going to have a head start, and I'm going to be boxing national titles, boxing for England, stuff like that. I realised over three rounds, it's not all what it seems. Like I had an average. I was a good amateur boxer, but I had an average record. Yeah. So, like when I say average, I lost 14 times as an amateur. Right. Uh, I remember one time I lost three fights in a row, and it was just like wow, like. I don't know what's going wrong because I, I train up. I was quite a lazy kid, like I said off camera earlier, yeah. quite a lazy kid, but with a, with a disciplined father, yeah. I was always pushed to work hard, always pushed to get my comfort at a young age. So it's not as if I wasn't putting the hours in, I just wasn't getting the, my fair share of the luck. Yeah. I lost, yeah, I won, good. that's it. I won maybe 29, 30 times in the end. Plus, I had um, as an amateur boxer, and then uh, lost fourteen times. So I never experienced boxing for my country as an amateur. Never won a national title, and it was like there was many times I was thinking, "Wow, like I'm gonna have to leave school." Because I was from young. If anybody knew me from a kid, Matt, they would that like the only thing I wanted to be when I grew up was a professional boxer. Yeah, so it was in there. It, it, it was the only thing. And like when I left school, I didn't learn a trade. I went to college for about seven, eight months. <laughs> but I went, I went to college and... Beat me, dude. Like, I was in there for like three. I got kicked out. But... Yeah, yeah I, I just <laughs> left. Like, I didn't want to go back. So like when 
like people leave school and you see their friends around them learning trades and getting good money and stuff yeah. like that. And I was getting like little, had little labouring jobs, nothing permanent, no, no permanent income, but like boxing was always my priority. So on that, real quick before we we move on, like that's a, that to me is um is is why one of the reasons why you'll be where you are, um because a lot of people they find enough they find reasons all the time why they can't pursue something, and yeah. you've just said about seven or eight different things that could have easily led you off track. You know, mm. like didn't have a normal childhood like most kids. We climbing trees, doing this, but I was traveling around with my dad doing the boxing. Blah, blah, yeah. blah, blah, blah. Like it's all, there was so many reasons why you sh- should have just not pursued it in yeah. a normal society and in a normal conditioned mind. So your mind obviously works differently. It's like mine, right? I can't be an employed, bro. It just ain't going to happen. <laughs> I've done, yeah, tried yeah. it. It doesn't work. And, and I think that's something that's really special. And, and those type of people that have that type of setup, um, if they just continue to push they continue to work. They continue to put one foot in front of the other. They do get where they need to go. Like we were saying on voice message the other day, right? Like that is a certain type of person made from a certain type of fabric. Yeah. But it wasn't always like that. Like I remember a few times because it was hard. Like imagine coming home from school when your mates are all going out, you would get ready to go to the gym as a kid. And I remember one time I, I said to my dad, I don't want to do it. I want to do it. I must have been about 13, 14. Yeah. At this time, Lucas, who's my younger brother, was boxing. I like started boxing. I remember going out playing football. It must have lasted about a week, like with my friends. Yeah. And then I used to get in and watch my brother. We had a bag like in like in the garden. I used to watch him and he was getting the attention and stuff like that. And I was thinking, boxing's like my love. Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? So just because it's hard where you've got to sacrifice a childhood and you've got to sacrifice a lot for a kid to sacrifice a lot is a big ask just because of that I I resented it for probably a week and said I didn't want to do it my dad said don't do it then and then um, after a week I missed it already do you know so since then and then like it's got um, I've progressed loving it loving it loving it putting the work in I remember being yeah like leaving school year 11 I was uh this is when all my friends would probably like I'll go to school come home eat go to the gym every day even for like a 15 year old mm. my dad would wake us up before school we would go on a run before school come home shower get ready for school hold that school then train so I was training twice a day from a kid wow um so, so yeah, we had a different kind of upbringing to the to the average. Yeah. Um, there was times where I say we, because obviously it's me and my brother, and um, there was times where me personally, I was thinking, I want a normal childhood. <laughs> um, but it's only later on in life when you realise, wow, like I'm so thankful and so grateful that I was from that upbringing and. Um, it shaped me like even turning professional back in 2014. I was always going to be a professional boxer. I was 19, 20. And, um, I was a, a cocky teenager, like the 
all my friends were still quite young and I used to struggle to sell tickets to fight as a professional at the beginning. I, used, I had my first four in Belfast, Northern Ireland. Um, uh, and just even coming back to Portsmouth and fighting on the shows, I've never sold enough tickets to even fight. I used to have to ask people, so I never had a penny. Because yeah. the way it works in professional boxing is, especially when you look on the smaller shows, you sell enough tickets that pays for your opponent. Then you yeah. pay some to the like the promoter, yeah. and then you get a percentage on top. Yeah. I never even got as far as that to be able yeah. to earn any money. So my first ten pro fights, I'd won. I was like, but um, I didn't didn't get get paid so See, for that's me, another that's another thing though mikey that that there is another reason right why most people would just quit because yeah it, it goes to show that you're doing this for the intrinsic reason rather than the extrinsic reasons yeah but there was a lot of questions like when am i going to get paid mm. like by this time i'm say 22 years old i've been a pro two couple of years um I've left school six years at this point. My friends are all learned trades, uh, got all these qualifications, got their own companies, earning good money, and I'm scraping the barrel here. Do you know what I mean? This was up till recently, probably. Mm. In uh, I had a job. I got uh, like had a job up till 2017. So for about three or four years, I um. I worked in a marketing company, uh, shout out for marketing because they still follow me and stuff. But I remember I'd won my first two titles, right, in 2017, whilst working a nine to five and having a newborn daughter at home. Wow. So I, I, my first title fight, I was training twice a day. I was waking up when it was dark, training, going, like, going to work all day, training after work, and then getting in when it's dark, not even seeing my daughter. Do you know what I mean? It's, it was hard. Yeah. And then I won my first two titles in 2017, uh, the WBC Youth and the WBC International. And then I thought, right, to progress my career, I've got to make a big sacrifice here. So I handed in my notice Chris, for work Christmas 2017 with no guaranteed sponsorship, nothing in the pipeline guaranteed. Um, and a daughter <laughs> and for me that is probably the one of the biggest sacrifices I've made because I went from I probably halved my monthly income by quitting work um in order to be able to pursue it um properly was you, was you scared at that point was you kind oh, of it was terrifying it? yeah it was terrifying but I knew it was getting really hard to be able to be, because I was training like a full-time boxer, yeah. just having to do a nine to five in between. And it was so mentally draining. Like it was so mentally tough. I remember my first title fight, it was the first time I did a proper full training camp. And there was times I would get home, just start crying for no reason. Because it was that tough. It was that tough. Everything just, yeah. so... I won my first two titles uh, in 2017 with that. Then came to the um, decision, I need to pack it in, pack this working in and just give it a go. And go all in. And then since then, the sponsors have come and go. So it's never a guaranteed. 
yeah. remember one sponsor I was getting uh can't remember how much I was getting per month, but it was covering my bills. Yeah. And they and they pulled out like boxers rely on sponsors. They right. do. They pulled out about two days before my bills was due out. And I lived by myself. I lived by myself. Um like I was relying on it, more than relying on it. Two days before my bills are coming out, they said, ah, oh, we're um sponsoring a a charity now instead of you. Wow. They didn't give me any notice. Wow. That was, that was like petrifying for me. And off the back of that, because my younger brother managed to go full-time boxing before I did, just yeah. right, right time, right place for him. Um, off the back of that, his full-time sponsor said, right, we'll help you out for a few months, just because it was like last minute. Since then, they've helped me out ever since, and they, they're my full-time sponsors now. Give them a shout-out real quick, bro. Uh, HS Building. Ben and Tommy at HS Building. They're uh, the backbone to my life. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? So, yeah. so, yeah, like in terms of the financial struggles of boxing, they're real. Not many people see the glitz and the glamour. Mm -hmm. They see the titles. They see the, the media, and they see like the publicity and stuff but it's only been the last 18 months things have changed probably even the last year yeah the last year things have changed for me and now I, I look back Matt, and I think all of them struggles the financial struggles the childhood sacrifices the not learning a trade to focus on boxing it's only just worth it yeah there, there was points where I wanted to walk away from boxing because I wasn't earning any money. Loads of times. Or, or I couldn't get the sponsorship. Um, there's been loads. And I didn't. For whatever reason, I didn't. Yeah. Um, and it's only just been worth it. So I used to say, if people say, you got any advice for aspiring boxers as kids, right? Like, to give, like, a youngster. I used to always say, don't be a professional boxer. <laughs> like is but I've invested too much time, yeah, too much money. Um, I've invested too much into it to have quit. Yeah. Now, after 15, 16 years competing, I'm coming up to my 17th year competing. Yeah. It's worth it. Yeah. And so uh, something else is important is your identity, man. It's weaved in. It's part of your identity. Like it's really, really, it's, it's similar to me, really. I mean, I resonate with a lot of parts of what you said. You know, being bust, broke out, motherfucking broke day before my bills are due, man, and losing opportunities. And I've had money. I've lost a lot of money. I've invested some. I've lost it again. Like business has been hard at times. It's been flowing at times. Like I relate. And you know, man, it, it, it's hard. And it's it's mm. why it's why so many people opt out and choose. A, a more simple, easygoing kind of life. But that, if it is not, if, if your identity is a boxer and that is who you are, that is deeply ingrained. Mate, if you did go get a job, if you did, mate, you would feel the same way I do, which is why I don't do it, which is I'm out of alignment here. And if yeah. I'm out of alignment and I'm fit, I will just end up wanting to kill myself. You know, I've been in those positions before where I've just been so fucking forced into like a position where it's like give up entrepreneurship or and 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 go and get money and have safety and security, as they say, or yeah. 
or, or in the face of looking embarrassing and being humiliated in front of family and friends again because a business has failed, you keep going. And yeah. I know that that is part of your identity, mate. If yeah. you do, you, you, you always pull back to it. So the, the, when I touched back on to when I handed my notice in, it was always it was going through my mind in that last fight because I'd fought in the November and it was tough, but I was still working full time. And I like when you you win a title on the Saturday and then you got to get up ready for work <laughs> on the Monday. It's like a it's a mad thing. And I remember the the last week before the fight, I was I was going to work, I was getting stuff done, but I was slacking a bit. When you've got a boxer that's making weight. They've all that's on their mind is this fight this weekend. Um, big, dangerous fight where people think they're going to lose. Um, the, like the weight, like the tiredness, stuff like that. So for a few days before the fight, I slapped a little bit. Getting it done, though. And then I came into work. I always remember it. And I had an email. Everyone's in the office. And I had an email. So I had a disciplinary hearing the following day. And I was like, wow, like when you've got, okay, it's their, it's their business, it's their job, and maybe I'm not meeting my targets like on, on just a, a couple of days. Yeah, They wanted to slam it on somebody to make a point, maybe. Um, they knew boxing was my, my life. Like, my boxing, the job wasn't my career. Boxing was my career. They yeah. knew that. And I had a disciplinary hearing, and I was like, what's going on here? What's, like, what is actually going on here? And I remember speaking to good friend of mine, Ben, and he had just handed in his notice for the job uh, to go work on himself or, or whatever he did back then. And um, he helped me write, write my notice. And the next day, I, I walked into the meeting. I, like, it was quite a scary thing. Uh, I walked into the meeting room. The, there, I went, boom, that's my notice. I'm handing in my notice. And if it wasn't for that, I wouldn't have probably put pulled up the courage to be able to quit my job mm -hmm. um I, like, I would have probably longed it a little bit more yeah uh, but it's because they was like wow and since then I, I haven't looked back and it's obviously all worthwhile but they tried giving me a disciplinary because I was like is ah oh. but but since then it's funny how the the world goes round because they always supported my boxing they came to my fights when I like my bosses now came to my fights when I boxed so it wasn't so much oh he's like a boxer let's let's it's obviously they had targets to meet and stuff but um they they now help me out yeah like they sponsor me a little bit per fight and and stuff like that so it's just like good how the world goes around like absolutely that they they support they supported my change into the full-time boxing yeah um and followed me ever since. And like, it wasn't on like a bit, at the time I thought, right, this is a bitter thing. They give me a disciplinary, like I'm leaving and it's quite bitter where it hasn't, it wasn't ever that way. It worked out, yeah. Mm. yeah I've got a question around, um, cause you're saying like about the world and how it works and stuff. I mean, I, I haven't seen through your content or anything, but because I, I kind of know what type of fabric you're built of, one can only assume that you are quite energetic in terms of uh, the universe or God or whatever it is. Now, I don't know if you're a religious man. I personally am not. But I believe that there is a universal energy that is working on our behalf. And I believe that like 
when uh, whenever I'm in a position where things are tough and the going is is getting hard and I always ground myself by thinking like this is although where I'm at right now doesn't feel good and you know I, I might not be in a good place the, the the universe is working on my behalf to figure it out and if I just keep going and I stay in alignment like the right people the right places the right things in requisite to the goals that I have and the vision I want to create mm. is going to happen so I mean where do you, where are you on that spectrum like um there's when it was I was waiting too long like I'm quite impatient and I've learned like I was just going through the motions for ages not getting what I wanted and stuff like that I was starting not to believe it. I was start. There's been times I was starting not to believe it, and I've had to have people to be like, right, don't carry on doing your thing. I kept winning. I kept winning, so I carried on doing my thing, and I, I was doing it for the love of boxing. In my head, I was thinking it might not ever come. My break might not ever come. Um, like I was thinking that, but obviously now. It's of to get where I am took a lot longer than expected. Yeah, but now I trust the process. Trust the process, and that's the thing, man. Like I, I wrote the other day, everything that we want might not work, might not work out when we want it or how we want it, but ultimately it will eventually happen. Like yeah. the, <laughs> I believe the universe gives us things, but not when we want it on our time, not when we expect it, sure. but when it's fucking ready. Like, and that yeah. might be sometime down the line it, it might just be you need to hang it out a bit longer but if you change direction you course correct the, it changes everything like then the universe goes well you shifted that now so this needs to be shifted and then you will come off pub i really am a great believer in that and you know that's something that's really 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 helped me now i look at people like yourself and i often think that i ask that's why i ask the questions i'm curious about how people see energy um and some people are religious some people see the energy that i see as universe is god and and they they anchor into a higher form of that or whatever um but man i i, I do believe it man it's all gonna pan out and it, it just doesn't exactly. always come when we want it <laughs> like, and that exactly. can create exactly. a lot of frustration and i'll give you an example right something that happened recently so um i do a lot of work within the conscious community uh when i say conscious community i mean all of this bollocks with covid over the past couple of years like bro you know my opinion on it right i ain't no secret it ain't no secret what burbridge thinks about any of it and yeah. part of what has been beautiful is that it seems to have shifted me into a place of alignment with other conscious community members, people that are, they can see, you know, they know which way the world's going, what's happening in it. And although we all have different, wildly different uh, opinions and ideas about what the world might look like and how it works, each of us can really understand on a level, you know, that it's, it's about a conscious thing. And um, I, I really, I really find that, when I started to think about my daughter and horses, now this is going to get a bit weird, but just hold the horses. No pun intended. <laughs> um, <laughs> so my daughter loves horses. She is very spiritual uh, and she, she just connects with horses. And again, me being a great believer in the universe and how things pan out and how they just will, will work out. I put into the ether about three, four weeks ago that I needed to find a conscious stables, someone that has a stables, that has horses or ponies 
in the local area, right, that would be happy and willing for my daughter to come along and help muck out the horses, clean them, you know, help out at the stables and do her thing. Now, I know that that is something that my daughter would love and it would fill her heart and it would also fill my heart to see her doing that. And again, going back to the conscious community, I don't want that to be with someone who thinks that, you know, X, Y or Z, because we just don't align. Right. So it was really important to me that I found this person, but I didn't know who they were. I didn't know where they were and I didn't know when it was going to happen. But I put it out. I sent a message into one of the big telegram groups we're in with the conscious community and uh, I put it in there. But what I did, which was really important, and this is why I believe it happened, I let go of it. I didn't, I didn't hold it. I didn't expect it. Right. I didn't want it. I didn't, I didn't, I didn't anchor into like, oh, that person must respond to my message. Like, God, like, and get frustrated. I just put it out and I said, if it's going to happen, it's going to happen. Now, weirdly, um, about a day later, there was a couple messages that popped through. And it seemed that other people in that chat had asked a similar question, right? About, uh, that's Telegram going off now. Uh, motherfucker, I thought I silenced that as well. <laughs> and um, this Telegram thing went off and I was like, oh, seems like other people have been asking. And again, it was trying to pull me in to, to think and manifest on it. But I go, just let go. And bro, within like a week, I got a message from uh, this lovely, beautiful human being uh, called Lisa, who uh, we ended up speaking on the phone for about an hour. And it just turns out that she's a conscious leader. She understands. She's aligned. She has a whole stables with multiple horses and ponies. And she is more than happy to have us go down there with her so she can teach Millie how to do the things that she needs to do. And then once Millie knows how to do those things, she said, you can just come to the stables whenever you want. Now, again, I believe that if I'd held on to it, the want, the need, the desire, it probably yeah. would have taken longer to get. So one of my lessons recently is that like, I've always been a believer in the universe and, and, and all that, but I think when I've held on to stuff too long sometimes, and I've really wanted it too much, and, and it hasn't happened when, you know, when I've wanted it. And because of that, I create energy inside myself. I, I create negative energy because I want something that isn't quite ready yet. And it creates this like, yeah. You know exactly what I'm fucking talking about. Like that shit inside you that you just, you want it, but you can't have it. And it's not there and you're frustrated. But if you just let go, you like put it out there and then you just, and you keep working in line, keep doing what you're doing. I'm a great believer that it's going to just swing back round. So um, yeah, I just wanted to share that story. <laughs> Crazy, isn't it? It's mad. Did you do yeah. it? Did you little one like horses? She does and like, my mum actually has a horse. Oh. So it's like when you were saying stuff like that, I was thinking, wow. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, my daughter. My There's daughter, the universe um, again, bro. That's it. That, yeah, yeah. Yeah, she likes horses. Incredible. <laughs> so question for you, and it is, um, and I think this is really important. Mate, what keeps you humble? Because a lot of people that get the experience that you've got that have taken out people that you've taken out, you know, Chris Congo won't know Numpty, right? <laughs> He's put these boxes, your boxes, they ain't no fucking chumps, bro. They ain't no journeyman. You, you're boxing some good yeah. people out there. You, you're taking out some, some top guys. So what keeps you humble in that process? Because um, that is well, something that I don't think many people have. They start to get somewhere and then the, the ego yeah. takes over. And what, what keeps you there, man? A lot of people... Um a lot of people actually say the same like I'm, I'm quite a humble guy for what I've achieved you know I'm, 
I'm not satisfied as what of what I've done in boxing. Nowhere near satisfied. I'm I'm very um, proud of what I've done so far because I think what makes me more humble than others is I've seen the struggles. Like when you see the boxers on TV, they've got most the majority of them haven't come from what I've come from. As in, like they've probably turned professional on TV already. You know, they've they've had a head start, whereas I've seen the financial struggles of boxing. Mm. I've I've also been raised the right way with my dad, my trainer. Like I don't think I don't think you'll get a more disciplined like because it's father and son, but it's trainer and boxer. Yeah. So that helps humble me. Do you know what I mean? He's my big, biggest critic. Yeah. I've been like, for example, I won a fight. Well, say say that I've won a fight. It's happened a couple of times, and everybody's blowing smoke up my ass. Oh, you're amazing! You've just won. And say that I haven't. I've had an under par performance, or or yeah. I could have performed better. And my dad would tell me that weren't good. Or, although I've won, although I've won, and everybody's bigging me up, he's the first person to to ground me. Um, and I think I might not have, I might not be the same person if my father wasn't my trainer. Yeah. Um, because that is a bigger, the biggest um, thing that grounds me being that boxing family. And I'm just a normal lad from Portsmouth that's getting success now. Yeah. But I was just a normal lad from Portsmouth for a long, long time finally get my break finally get my success but i'm still that lad from portsmouth that's just doing big things yeah um proud to be from my city proud to be shining a light onto my city you know so so yeah i don't think i've got it in me to be one and then make it and become a diva <laughs> Say that. I'm a bit of a drama. You have a, a wig on soon, man. You'll be dancing in a dress when you win. I'm a bit of a drama queen like in my personal life, but I'm I'm quite a a grounded, respectful, yeah. like even to the guys I've been fighting, I've always been respectful. Yeah. It's very rare you see me bad mouth someone unless they've done it to me. Yeah. Um, although most of the time TV and pe- things want to see stuff like that. Yeah. Like I let my talent and my hard work do the talking the majority of the times. Yeah. Although I'm although I'm good in front of the camera, I speak very well, people say. Yeah. I come I come across in media very well. Um, but nothing's ever fake. Yeah. Brother. Like, so I'm, not, I'm not I don't like to act on a character I'm not. Yeah. Like, and, like, and dude, I, I've been saying for a while now, like, and I believe this is 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 as true as it, these words could get. Like, you don't tell people, show people, because mm. when we tell people, they don't listen. But when we show people, they see, and that is like that. That's the truth. You can't, you can't, you can't get around that. You know that 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 is powerful, um, brother. I know that you're on the clock. I know that we have not got long left. Um, I just, I just wanted to say. Like going back to that, like being a character and somebody you're not, yeah, you can come unstuck eventually because, like, when you touched on when I beat Chris Congo last year, everything was against me. The the bookies had me underdog, and um, everyone in the boxing world was expecting me to lose. 
Chris Congo had a lot of people around him that were hyping him up. But I, I'd met Chris like a few years before, and he's actually quite a nice, respectful, quite a quiet lad. But you go into fight week, and I was, like in the build-up on his interviews, he was saying a lot. He was going to walk through like out of character stuff, like from what my experience is with know. him. Yeah, yeah, that makes um, sense. And a lot of people said like, like in the build-up, he, he's not normally like that. He's quite a nice guy. And I don't know what it was. He had a chip on his shoulder or he just had too many people feeding him rubbish. Yeah. Um, he came across like an idiot mm. uh, in the build-up. He came across uh, like the villain. Yeah. I was the B-side, so I should have came across like the villain. But I was very yeah. respectful. People in the media loved me in the build-up and on fight week. And he acted like somebody's not. So he was portrayed as the villain. Yeah. I was portrayed as the hero. Yeah. From just being myself and being yourself. Oh, and, and like, I've seen him. Like, and when I say like that's probably the biggest fight where there's been more needle in for me out of all of my 21 fights. But when we were saying about how the world goes around, I'd not seen Chris since I won the uh, WBO Global title off of him. Last week I was up sparring Josh Taylor. Yeah. And um, getting invited up there, and he's in the same gym. So it was the first time I've seen him since the fight. And I shook his hand complete different guy than what he was when we fought like respectful very quiet although we've done our business and stuff like that mm -hmm. he was it was a nice guy and he actually sparred my brother <laughs> he sparred my brother cool. so it's like crazy yeah That's it's cool. nice the world does go around in circles it fucking like, does man. like i've got i've got respect and people say oh, why aren't you bad mouthing for example connor ben who's one my weight my rival i'm done with all of that like i i've got Nothing but respect for my rivals, for my opponents. Okay. This is a business. This is my career. You can tell. I I focus on myself and no one else. Do you know what I mean? Um, like unless I have to fight them or or when I do fight them, I've got nothing but respect for them all. Um, but yeah, I'm on my own path and fully focused on what I'm doing in life, not just boxing in life. Yeah, and being a dad and doing the whole gig, man. That's it. That's it. Like boxing's just one part of my whole life, but um, it, it's probably the glue, and it's the one thing that shaped my my life is is my boxing. Yeah, it's beautiful, man. Hey, there's one other thing that I want to touch on because um, you, you mentioned it a minute ago about your 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 dad, basically. Um, yeah. And what a dude he is. Like, what a dude he is, man. Yeah. I, I remember a long, long time ago when I first started, like, coming down to HOP and I got in there and he had a little play about and he'd done this thing where he, like, wound up his hand, popped me one right in the nose and I'm telling you, mate, my head fucking shook. I was, <laughs> I was like, Jesus Christ, what was that? I didn't even know that was coming. Um, but on, on to it, like, you said about that he's your biggest critic. He, he is, mm -hmm. he, even if you perform really well, he, he will tell you the truth and sometimes the truth does hurt doesn't it sometimes we yeah. hear it and it's like oh you wish you didn't have to hear it but uh, I've got um, a buddy called Nathan and he's been training with uh, he's been training with me for you know three to four months now the guy doesn't miss a session um, you can call him up anytime you want whether it's 6am in the morning five o'clock in the morning three in the afternoon like it doesn't matter hey dude going on a run you coming yes bang done and with Nath, I've kind of been, he's a lot younger, so he's uh, he's 20, and I see a lot of myself, certain traits of what I was like when I was 20 in, in him, which is why I think that I've kind of like begun mentoring him in, in a way. 
And the reason I'm saying this is because I liken myself to your dad in that situation. And here's an yeah. example. He came on the, the marathon. So this, this lad, the longest he'd ever run for, and he only picked up running a little bit after me, really, um, was seven kilometers. He'd only ever done a 7K. And one, what, a couple of days later, I said, hey, we're going for a run. We're going to do 15K, where well, 10K it was. Um, but we did 15 kilometers. And he was like, oh, my God, look, I've done 15K, blah, blah, blah. And, and then I invited him to the marathon. I said, look, we're going to do 42 plus. Like, you coming? And he was like, of course. Like, I'm going to come. I was like, great. And we did this marathon. The boy was broken, right? Walking over the sustainability center. I know not many people are going to know where that is, but you do, you know, location. Um, and, and he's broken, man. Like, he's a broken man physically. Mentally, he's tough still. And um, the following day, I decided, so after a marathon, the first one he's ever done, he never really run anything longer than 15K. And then the following day, I said, right, we're going out on a bike ride. Got to soften the knees up now, yeah? Got to rotate your training. You can't be just doing fucking running all the time. We've got to take a bit of recovery. And as we're going up QE, um, back at Queen Elizabeth Country Park, he's like tailoring real far behind, right? And I can't see him. So I stop the bike and I sit at the top of this gradient and I'm looking back and then he comes riding along like a fucking grandma, right? The boy, the boy's cycling so slow. I'm like, bro, come on. And he's like, give me a break. Yeah, I've done a marathon yesterday. Now here's how I liken myself to your dad, okay? What he wanted to hear at that point was, oh yeah, absolutely, mate. Yeah, totally. I'll tell you what, just take your time, chill out. But that isn't gonna help him grow. So mm. what I did is I said to him, nobody cares. That was yesterday. We're in a new day. Okay. Don't want to be the guy that clings on to your old victories. Mm. You need to get it done again now. So get up the fucking hill and let's get moving. Now that was the truth that he needed to hear. And that is the exact reason why he's still here now pushing himself. And he's going to be running 32 miles with me come the end of this uh -huh. next week. Yeah. Because he hears what he needs to, not what he wants to. And I think that is very permanent to what you're saying. Like if your dad just kind of like rubbed your ego a little bit, shook you on the head. Yeah, well done, mate. You would not be the caliber of individual that you are. It's easily to it's easy to rub somebody's ego. There's hundreds and hundreds of people that will rub your ego, but it's only the real people that will that will tell you the truth. And and keep you grounded um and that's what you notice like i've got lots of supporters and they all love me and like i love all my supporters and stuff but there's only probably a handful of people that would say you you didn't perform out there or yeah. that that weren't that good um yeah. they're the people that you need with you um for the long run yeah. um i've noticed that and it's all experiences and, and life lessons and stuff but it's crazy. Like I've never done anything more than 13 miles in like a half marathon. Yeah. I've done one. I've done last year in a Chris Congo fight. I just something like I was doing my normal, say six miler with my friend and uh, he, his girlfriend picked him up at the six mile mark. And I, it was near where I was living at the time. So I thought I'm going to stay out. I'm going to do a bit more. Got to about 10 miles and I thought I might as well do a half marathon here. I've never done anything more than 10 miles. Um, and I managed to do a half marathon and like what you were saying like and you're saying this guy like he he'd managed to do like a marathon and stuff like that it's crazy mm -hmm. it's crazy but like 
outside of my fight camps, when I've got time to play with, I'll do a marathon with you. My man, I'm all Because but I've, I've never done, I want to do something like that. For me, a half marathon was kind of a, like a big deal. Like I did, the run I did the other day, you see that perfect. Um, yeah, man, that looked, that, that looked awesome, dude. Yeah, so that was 10 miles of terrain and mm -hmm. uh, it was hard. We had Bergens, uh, my uncle was in the Marines. Yeah. Uh, little story. So he took two, but there was eight of us that done it. My nutritionist came along. He was one of them. We've got a girl in our team called Ellie, yeah. um, which to give her credit, I didn't think would do any more than two miles. Right. And then we had my uncle who's in the Marines, um, his friend, Leon Best, who used to play football professionally. And then four of us boxers, well, four boys boxers. So there's eight of us and there was two Bergens. Can't remember how much it was, but um, we would swap between us, the, uh, the six of us, the, four boy boxers and my uncle and his friend to get it through. Got to, and it was all, most of the beginning was quite uphill and hilly. And I thought, Ellie, right? She's, she's a girl. Um, and she beats herself up a little when she can't do something and, and stuff like that. So I thought she'd struggle. Got to two miles. I was looking back at her. She was still going, right? She, nobody thought that she would do past two miles. She, didn't think she was going to even turn up for the run. <laughs> Amazing. Um, right. Um, got to the halfway point, five miles, but it, we run out and then run back. So like, she, like, we got out, it's five miles. And I was thinking, are you okay? And she went, I'm going to do this. Right. So as the run went on, um, like her mental toughness grew. Yeah. Um, but I was thinking, God, like the only way back's the way we've run. And if she walks this, it's going to be a long, long time. She's gonna get like lost anyway. Got to about six, six and a half miles. That's when she started to drift a little bit, but I didn't think anything. We carried on. We finished it, 10 miles. She um like my nutritionist waited back with her, so they finished together. When when they finished, um, I was like, wow, not only she done 10 miles, she probably never run that in her life. Incredible. Uh, she done 10 miles of terrain. Yeah. So very oh what's like, that's hard to do. Yeah. Yeah, so uh, very hilly, muddy, dangerous on the edge of a cliff. Excited. Yeah. She conquered all that and when she came in she was barefoot. Wow. She was like I had to throw my uh, shoes 3 miles back. Wow. So she did she did 3 <laughs> miles. Not only has she achieved all of this, she did 3 miles, the last 3 miles barefoot. Now, I was quite proud of myself of what I'd done and everyone else was like pretty chuffed, but we admire what she went through and like, like she must have learned so much about herself in that run. Yeah. I just thought I had to say the story because yeah. you were saying the story about your friend, um, his achievements, and that was fresh to the mind last week. And for her, like, I'm like proud of her, do you know what That's I mean? That's insane. So, and you know, that reinforces the 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 last talking point which will probably be on like your circle like it's so yeah. fucking important to have like brother i man when you're ready and i know it's going to be tricky in between your fights and stuff to find the time to do a marathon you don't really i mean i was talking to joel the other day um and you know he's he wants to do a marathon too mcintyre and um you know he it, but it's just tricky because you could get a call and blah 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 you don't really want to be doing marathons when you're in a fucking fight camp <laughs> it's just it's probably not ideal but for me, for me, 
it's I get quite bored. Like I do get quite bored. Um, like that run the other day, it was only ten miles, but it was like two and a half hours long. Yeah. So like I was thinking, if I could do that for two and a half hours, I could do a like I could start doing like long distance stuff outside of camp. Yeah. Because I went through, although it was a bit different and it was a bit more fun and stuff doing it up and downhill. I've got the mental resilience to be able to do long distance. Yeah, I learned from that. And, yeah. and, and going back to what my teammate Ellie went through, my dad said the only reason she'd done that, she probably always had that mental resilience, but she just thinks, oh, she can't, she can't do this and she'd back away. She had to do it. Yeah. She had to do it. She had to get through. Yeah. Sometimes when you like you don't want to do something, but you've got no choice but to do it. Yeah. You yeah. your body can get through it. Absolutely possible. And again, if you're looking at your peers and your peers are not quitting, your peers are yeah. not saying, Oh, it's okay. Yeah, no, totally. You can just stop now. That's mm. the beautiful thing about having such a strong circle. Like I'm all about finding more and more of those people and spending more and more of my life with them, more and yeah. more of my energy mixing with those people. So brother, it'd be a pleasure and honor to do American with you, man. We should hundred percent hook that up. 2000, 2022 this year, like depending on my fight camps and stuff like that, I will make sure I get, a marathon or definitely a long distance run but i'll make sure i get a marathon with you because for me it will be like a, a great thing to do yeah obviously it'll have to be something outside of my training because of obvious reasons but uh yeah because yeah. when i see people that do stuff like that for me i'm not a runner i'm a boxer yeah i'm not i'm not naturally a fit guy i'm not naturally like i'm naturally like i said before fat and lazy <laughs> like, I, I, like I am but um, because of what I do for a living, that doesn't show. And yeah. like, I do work hard and I put the hours in, I put the time in. Yeah. But um, I'm not a runner. So for me, I've, it's like when I said I related to your post the other day, I've always thought it was a, a, as a chore. Mm. Like running a chore. Over the Christmas period, I was doing a lot of running. Not so much long distance, but I was getting out most days because I wanted to get fit. Yeah, and I've, I've got something to focus on so instead before it was like oh, I don't want to get out. I was looking forward to just getting out and doing my running like yeah. Christmas yeah. even if it was as, as short as a 5k anything like that and a 10 mile. 100% like you know I'm only up the road um, bro I will come down and run 5s with you 10s with you whatever yeah. um, let's make yeah. it happen okay. dude it'd be good okay. to fix in your energy it'd be good to come down and, 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 and experience your energy um, brother, I have I've missed talking to you as well, man. Like yeah. I know we haven't over the years like proper fully connected. We've been like seen and I've been an associate. We bumped into each other a few times. Yeah, yeah. Um, um, but it, like I'm when I met you, I was a 16 year old kid. <laughs> now, now I'm a 27 year old man. man. How yeah. are you? I'm 30. Well, I'm 31. I'll be 32 in. Uh, January 27th so that's why I'm doing the 32 miles right so you uh, was well, you was 20 when I met you yeah yeah, yeah. 
which is mad because um, I'd just come out, you know, at that time I was, I'd just come out of like a, a, a weird little drug addiction and, and you right. know, a good few years, you know, balls deep into that. And so that's what I'm saying. Like when, in my story, when I tell people like I would have been in prison or dead, if I had not have changed the pathway, if the universe didn't put boxing in front of me, pff, bruv, I'm telling you, I would have, I would have yeah. ended up either doing too many drugs that I would have died because I was I was doing them every single day and I mean a lot of drugs every single day I barely slept um and I used to eat shit all the time I was just really not good in a good place and again all wrapped up from childhood trauma you know like things that happened when I was younger and it was just it was just manifesting in that way negative habits and behaviors so may I owe a lot of what I have today to and I say the health and fitness industry but really it was boxing because that mm, was the first. That was the first. Yeah, yeah. And bro, I say it every single time, like I would not, I would not have anything that I had. I don't have a lot, but I would not have what I have. I wouldn't have a life that I feel fulfilled in mm. if it was not for, you know, doing that. So um, I owe a lot to the industry, man, uh, and hence why I'm passionate about this podcast and pushing people yeah. to speak like myself. Yeah, I, I, I wanted to get on as well. Like, like I said before, I only do. At the minute, I'm only really putting my media, uh, media like obligations and stuff and all stuff like that on a Sunday because it's my rest day and I ain't got anything to do. But I thought I could leave it. Um, I could leave it and we'll catch up. We will catch up in the next few weeks. But I just thought I'll go out my way. Look, I went out my way yesterday and messaged you. I've got a... Yeah. I've got a, a free period. I wouldn't probably do that for the other people oh, no. that I don't know. Bro, but, um, and you know, you're the first one back in. So the last episode I released, I think was November. Uh, it was with Rachel Pasta. And um, that was the last episode I did. It was, you know, up until that point, uh, you know, I'm so busy with other ventures and stuff that I kind mm. of parked fit story. But then it's been recent where I've been like massively in alignment to everything I'm doing at the moment. Um, with Urban Tribe, with Alchemy, um, you know, with my, my training, everything is just kind of moving forward. And then fit, again, universe, it just brought it back into, into focus. And what a way to kick off like the first episode back after, you know, months of being off um, than with you, like somebody that I know and we're yeah. back with. Like, it's crazy, man. How it's so, when, out. when we first started this, right, I thought, hang on a minute, this is a bit weird. Like, <laughs> like I, do, I do these on a weekly, I do lots of similar type, like oh, more about boxing, but like, this is a bit different. But I speak to a lot of people on the weekly and um, I was getting a bit nervous as we started talking at the beginning. That's why I was like, oh, this is a bit <laughs> <laughs> well dude let's sign it off man i mean uh this has been an epic episode dude i cannot wait to get this one out um uh anyone anyone that you want to shout out whilst you're on as well because i'm all about plugging collaboration uh super connecting so is there anybody any sponsors anything that you want to shout out whilst we're here i actually just recently connected myself with Ria. Ria. Yeah. i know you're on that as well right yes i would go get my bottle that's in there but um yeah like the the gym that I train at, Base Camp, uh, I do most of my training down at Base Camp. They're linked up with Reup. Yeah, Gym Buddy. Um, yeah. And Gym Buddy, yeah. So, like, them three uh, back me, support me. Um, I've obviously got my main sponsors, HS Building. Uh, we've got a, a couple more company that's, companies that have just come on board as well. Um, and then I've got lots of 
companies that help me out per fight as well. So um, I've got a lot. I'll probably forget names. So I'm not going to reel them all off, but um, I'm blessed. Like I say, I've, I've not always had this. I've not always had this support, all this um, backing and, and, and belief. Um, so I'm very blessed to be in a position, very thankful to everyone that's helped me out to get where I am. That can be old coaches, old sponsors, old uh, friends that have helped me in a positive way and stuff like that, because it's been a long, hard journey to get here. But I thank everybody that's played their part. Yeah. Um, so like, like even when I first turned professional, I'll never, ever forget the people that were there. Yeah. My first fight in Belfast, I'll never, ever forget the people that flew out of Belfast. I think I had about 10, 12 people. Um, it, it's been a roller coaster, but we're finally on the right path to do good things. Like I was, I'm talking as if this is like my final fight. Like this, I see this as my first fight of great to greatness. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? I've had 21 pro fights. Yeah. Yeah. But I'll always remember the people that have helped me. So a big shout out to everyone. Yeah, absolutely. We'll make sure I link everything up in the show notes as well. Um, brother, I will be watching. I will not be flying out there, unfortunately. But, <laughs> the bullshit. but um, mate, I will be watching. I will be supporting. Know that you have my love. You have my support. If Fitzroy can do anything to support in any way, shape or form. One day I spoke to you like last week. I said, bro, it's the universe ain't ready yet for me to sponsor. But as soon as it is, um, it's happening. Like I, I'm gonna get you, and I'm gonna hold. I'm gonna get your back, and I'm gonna because I believe in what you're doing, bro. So just keep pursuing this road that you're on. Uh, this has been a pleasure. I really appreciate your time, fam. Uh, Fit story, fam. We are fucking out.